This is Off The Bench. The biggest names in Aussie sport are here every weekend. Oh, yeah, it's another weekend. And welcome to Off The Bench. This is Jason Matthews. As we look back on the week and give you some of the big interviews from the week with myself and Badge on Sports Day. Of course, Badge is now on holidays and Scotty Sattler returns to the Sports Day studio on Monday night. We'll get to that real soon. Uh, but... Uh, during the week, uh, the big news was, was the NRL was keen to get uh, all three grades uh, back at the parks on weekends. So not only are you watching first grade rugby league, you're watching possibly reserve grade and whatnot. And Brett Kamali joined us to talk about this exact subject. Out of NRL headquarters with Abdo and also Volandis, talking about bringing back all three grades on a game day. Oh. I remember this. Doesn't it take you back? As a kid, going to Redfern Oval, used to catch the train from Yaguna to Redfern, get off, go and watch my Rabbitohs on the hill for about six hours. Oh, so you'd start with the, the lower grades? Yeah, absolutely, like a midday, you, it Often was midday. it was a midday for the third grade and then one thirty reserve grade and 3 o'clock Clock. kickoff for the big boys. I'd have a nice – geez, they had the best hot dogs at Redfern See, Oval. Yeah. And, <laughs> then, and then I'd leave Redfern Oval. Ask you to name a few players, nah, but, gee, I'll tell you what, you can, you can pick out the food. Mate, I'd – Chico I'd, rolls. And, <laughs> no, I wouldn't know. Just the hot dogs because they're unbelievable, mate. Mm. I'd have sauce down my top by the time Terry Fay and Mario Fennick and all those boys oh, ran onto the tugger. field. Uh, it was amazing. Anyway, let's bring in this bloke. He remembers all three grades. He played in it and also watched it growing up. Brett Kamali, welcome to Sports Day. Thank you, gentlemen. If Andrew Abdo and Peter Volandis needed any sort of advertising or someone to push for it, that would be what wins three grades back. Jason <laughs> Matthews catching a train and eating hot dogs is all this game needs to be sold upon. Mate, as a 13-year-old too, walking the... Walk, could, you, could you picture this, Noddy? Me walking the streets of Redfern, aged 13, with a hot dog in one hand and my South flag in the other. Oh, you can imagine it. As you said, some great times. I was... I was 12 years of age when the biggest thing for my rugby league career or rugby league dream happened was, uh, as you said, the, the Henny Penny Newcastle Knights ran out and got to sit on the hill there at Marathon Stadium or ISC Stadium and, and, all, and even as it's called now, McDonald Jones Stadium. But it was enormous to have clubs from Sydney travelling up the F3 to play in Newcastle and then just to see that, it was, um, as you said, it was the start of a dream and the old three grades and... I, I remember playing the 11.45 kickoff, uh, which was the President's Cup, into into the 130 or 115 reserve grade, and playing a bit of bench lotto there as a, as there was old the old two fresh reserves for first grade, and mm. you sit on the bench and you you're looking forward to getting the call or or, or taking the tape off with about 20 minutes to go. <laughs> it, yeah, not and, and I came up through the grades in uh, in Brisbane with South in uh, in Brisbane, and uh, and then when I went to Canberra, of course they still had the three grades happening, but one of the things I think it does for footballers, Noddy, is give you some perspective. As a young kid playing my juniors for South, the Magpies in Brisbane, I just wanted to play in grade. It wasn't always about playing first grade because I, I could already see as a kid just how bloody tough the third graders and the f- second graders were. And I didn't – I don't think you could get ahead of yourself. And I, I worry about some young kids today. Was it the same when you were coming up through Newcastle? Did you just want to get into the, into the nights, at, in, you know, wherever you could? Yeah, definitely. I thought, you know, as you said, all three grades were a very competitive uh, competition. It was really tough. Um, you knew, you sort of knew you had to do an apprenticeship and, and be patient and be guided by the people above you. And 
and as you said, I've heard so many good stories and, and feel like in my own sort of development was that you got to hang around the older men or the ex first graders and, and, and they would, you know, knock you around a little bit or tell you when you're getting a bit big headed or how to appreciate things. So I felt like it was a genuine apprenticeship mm. um, and I felt like that that went out the window in some regards badge when obviously the, the, the Holden Cup, which was obviously something they thought was going to get rid of technically the reserve grade competition and we that players would miss reserve grade and pretty much go from under 20 to first grade, put them on a bit of a pedestal and, 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 and tried to fast track their careers rather than doing a, a genuine apprenticeship, as you said, and being patient for that opportunity. So mm. I, I would love to see all three grades come back. I'd l- at least love to see two games of football every time that there is a weekend game because the Thursday night and Friday night, I understand, would be a little bit hard to um, to turn up beforehand or bits and pieces. But yeah, I think that would be a great way of getting fans back to the game. You get two games, three games. You get to see genuine league fans, these die-hard members every year that buy their tickets and come to 12 home games and support you around the country. They want to see who your the gun lower grader is or who's going to come through or you know, the, the talk of how good's our lower grade side. So going forward, we're going to have a, a good few years. So I think it'd be a huge benefit for the game and to get kids back watching the game and going the footy. And I think families then would go, oh, let's go, because it's not just a, a two or three hour process for first grade only. Yeah, uh, look, for fans today, say, you know, some at the club you played at, the Bulldogs and the Sharks, and uh, we mentioned the Knights. If you want to see those next generation of stars coming through at the moment, you, you have to go to another game. You're not going to be seeing them. Whereas if, if uh, the NRL can bring it back, your day at the footy, for those really hardcore fans, you, I think you're just going to get, as you said, so much more value for money, aren't you? You're going, to, you're going to watch two, often three games of footy and really get a good feel for your club. And oh, the other thing for me, Naughty, was as a player coming through the grades, it was compulsory to stay and watch the second grade and the first grade. You couldn't just rack off and, you know, do your own thing. I think that's important. Yeah, I, I think that creates culture for a football club, doesn't it, where a lot of the first graders would know the lower grade blokes' names. And even even where we come through, Badge, obviously a lot of the times it was training at night only. So you got to actually train. Yeah, train together. grades would nearly train, on, train together on the one field. So um, you got to sort of... The, the good thing I remember when I was younger is I, I remember going to training with some of the heroes or the guys that had come through, like Lakes United, who were there at the Newcastle Knights, and all of a sudden, as a 16- or 17-year-old kid, when you go in for some development coaching or bits and pieces, you're actually hanging around people that you know, and you go, well, gosh, these guys are exactly the same as me. You know, they've come from the same junior club. They, mm. they say hello to you. They've got two legs, two arms, and they, they're now playing football for, for, for you know, on, on 3 o'clock on a Sunday or for their for their jobs, you know? So it's, I think it does create great culture for a football club, and... Um, good pathways and good connection and then that leads back to sort of all that community stuff that goes on with, with football clubs being so influential in communities. Well, and, and funny you should say that, Brett, is because then one of the plans of uh, Peter Volandis is to go back to those suburban grounds and it does create that community. Hopefully they're near leagues clubs. Everyone goes back into the leagues clubs or uses the precincts around those grounds as well where the community celebrate the football team playing that day. Yeah, and I think that's the big point in it. Like, we, we talk about, um, like, for example, Shark Park or Points Bet Stadium, it's called. There'll be nine, or going forward, and we don't play there now, but there'll be there be nine home games there, and you try and justify to the government why should they go and spend lots of money when you get nine games. Well, 
as you said, it becomes a community hub. It becomes a, a place for for lower grade games, for juniors to play at, for people to go and, and, and do other events at. And you, you're right. I remember like Peter Valenis was at a lunch I went at just after he got appointed as the NRL, um, one of the commissioners about 18 months ago. And the biggest thing I got out of that conversation was when he first started following football, when he first arrived in, in the country was that country rugby league was so strong. Country rugby league had all the all the grassroots, all the first graders were tough. Depth in the game was enormous. So I reckon the three grades of football will, will grow our game um, mm. and get the love and the support from all the communities back back where it should be rather than just watching first graders and we unfortunately can create a headline that's pretty horrific for ourselves pretty much often enough that, that I think a lot of the people go well I don't want to watch that game or I don't want to go support that game because of these big headed or people that make big mistakes so mm. I think the three grades in the community and getting all that back will be massive beneficial for all clubs and the whole code. Difficult for the three Queensland clubs and because they don't directly have a second grade and whatever. They, they have feeder clubs coming um, out, of, out of the Intrust Super Cup in Queensland. But l- 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 let me run this one by. Let's say Canterbury is playing the Cowboys. Canterbury still has their second grade and their, their, their thirds or their 21s, whatever it is, uh, President's Cup. Are there enough other clubs in Sydney to go around that they could play someone else that doesn't have a connection to an NRL team? Of course they could, yeah. Well, you know that there's a Queensland Cup in the Canterbury Cup, and the, you know there's a reserve grade competition generally around. Um, I would think that there's enough like park football opportunities that they could play. You could, as you said, you could go pick the best under 21s team and, and actually get them to come over and play on the on the main stadium uh, for that week as well. It would take more planning. It would take some better organisation. As you said, even the say the Broncos, the Cowboys, or the Titans were able to play on a Saturday or a Sunday, there'd be plenty of local league competitions that would want to play before them when they're even it wasn't their own feeder club just to create that two games or three game approach that we're trying to create mm. uh, we uh, we all agree it's uh, it's a great idea noddy and um yeah we hopefully hopefully it'll come off now can i just ask you quickly about something else if we're going to bring back all three sure. grades and go a bit retro what else should we bring back stuff like contested scrums <laughs> no interchange or if you're a, what if there's no interchange? What if you're a reserve and you come on and you stay on? The bloke who goes off stays off. Love it. I, I would love. Oh, I'm a, I'm hopeful of making a decision on that interchange coming down again next year because I want that fatigue to come back into the game. So I'd love to see. It. I know we're going to play the six again go rule and we're going to make less scrums in the game, less stoppages in the game. But I'm happy for another 12 months of them getting fit enough and, and observing it. But I would love to see. 18th man technically become a, a player on the bench for HIA indiscretions if mm-hmm. the player is not able to continue. But I want the interchange to go down to six. I want blokes to play big minutes and get fatigued and feel a bit puffed and then have to fight a little bit harder to either concede a try or save a try or, as you said, not just go off at the 21-minute mark and come back on at the 58-minute mark and mm. just knock their minutes out while they're still fresh. Different game. I've got a new one for you. What about this? What, instead of going back into the change rooms at half time to have your water and a, and a quick speech from the coach, the huddle on the field with the spectators <laughs> all, all around the yeah. huddle, Noddy. <laughs> yeah. What about that? <laughs> that was great. That'll get the kids fired up. <laughs> Well, you mean they're going to let kids on the field after the game or during the game? Yes. Well, wouldn't that, be great? Wouldn't yeah, that be great as well? Kids can score a try about, in the corner. What about, what about a kick and duel like we used to see at the start of State of Origin from Gary Belcher 
and whoever has the best moustache a weekend wins like a thousand dollar award or something. Oh, oh, there you go. I've got a new career coming, I think. If I'm <laughs> kicking jewels and moustaches, that's about all I had going for me, Nod. Beautiful. <laughs> Mate, thank you for joining yeah. us on Sports. Let's hope this happens in season 2021. I was saying to Badge Off Air, if anyone can make this happen fast, it is Peter Volandis. He'll, he'll get it going straight away and, and hopefully we can spend the whole day at the footy. Six hours, imagine that with the family. That'll be great. Yoo-hoo. Thanks, Noddy. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day, mate. Not a problem, guys. Have a good evening. This is Off The Bench. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Yeah, you got Jason Matthews here for your weekend. And, of course, on Monday we had the AFC and the NFC Championships in the NFL. And former NFL star and Geelong Cat star Benny Graham joined us to wrap up the games and preview the Super Bowl. As we all know by now, the Buccaneers will play the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 55 Monday, Feb 8, our time. Let's bring in the man who's... Played NFL at the highest level and also for the Geelong Cats. Benny Graham, welcome back to Sports Day, mate. Yes, g'day, guys. A oh, couple of cracking games. Unbelievable. worthy games. But, no, I mean, this is, may not be the matchup that everyone expected with the Packers being Super Bowl favourites, believe it or not, as early as last week. But the Bucks did a number on the Packers. It was close in the end, a couple of questionable calls. But, yes, Tom Brady and the Bucks will have a home Super Bowl. Three wins on the road, only to play the Super Bowl at home. First time a team has played in their home stadium. And it'll be against the hot Kansas City Chiefs. Let's go back probably the most controversial moment of the day, Ben. Um, The call from the Green Bay coach with about two minutes 20 left on the clock, six yards out from uh, Tampa Bay's line, fourth down, decided to go for the three points. Uh, you could tell after the game, Aaron Rodgers is not happy about the decision. What would have you done, or the teams you played for in the NFL, what have you? What would have you done? Well, if you see the situation when they're two scores and they need a field goal and a touchdown, and it doesn't matter which one comes first, but this was an eight-point game. This is a touchdown and a two-point conversion away from sending it to overtime. Now, this is where the contrast lies. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady at the end of the second quarter went for it on fourth and three. They converted, and the next play, he threw the 50-yard bomb Mm. to Scotty Miller to put him in front at the half. Similar situation, Packers are fourth down. They need a touchdown, but Matt LaFleur, the coach of the Green Bay Packers, takes it out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, whereas Tom Brady called that play himself. They did kick the field goal and expected to get the ball back but they're giving the ball back to Tom Brady with only two and a bit minutes to go, and they only needed a first down, which they got comfortably. And in the end, it was a five-point loss to the Packers, and this might be Aaron Rodgers' best chance to win another Super Bowl. He's now one and four in conference championship games. Who knows what his future lies? Lots of speculation around that, but We talk about a Cinderella story in every sporting league around the world. It started off as the Dolphins maybe turning it around. Then it was the Cleveland Browns making the playoffs for the first time in decades. Then everyone was on the Bills. And now it has to be Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady going to his 10th Super Bowl. And when you think about it, it's only Super Bowl 55. Wow, that's a fantastic achievement. Now he's going to do it with two teams. 
I, I want to go back to the start of the season and, and without following it as closely as you guys do, there was a bit of criticism around Tom Brady early in the year, wasn't there? And it took him a little while to uh, to work out how this team worked and for them to work him out. And are you surprised that he's been able to take the Buccaneers all the way to, to Super Bowl in his first year there with them? Uh, well, at the very beginning, I mean, who knew whether he was going to retire or not? The fact that he didn't retire a Patriot and then mm. landed at the Tampa Buccaneers and then COVID hit, which interrupted all the pre-seasons and the time together where they learn how each other play and the game plan they want to build, given the talent they've got on their roster. It was an interrupted training camp. So we thought it was going to be really scratchy early, just first maybe four to six weeks, and they got blown away by the Saints in week one. But they went in fits and spurts. But what we saw in the first half of the year, Tom Brady really was just trying to find his groove with the short passes, taking what the defense gave him. But in the second half of the year, he really did start to stretch the field. He's got some really great weapons at wide receiver. And it was coming off more often than not. Now, their five losses came to other playoff teams. So they're always thereabouts. Mm. And the fact that they were able to get on a roll in the back half of the year, they were quite lucky in the way that they finished fifth seed. They travelled to play the NFC East winner, and then that was a complete debacle, ended up being Washington. But they, you know, it hasn't been perfect. Tom Brady certainly wasn't perfect. He threw three touchdowns and three interceptions today, but there's no doubt he's such a big part of that organisation that he's basically on his own shoulders has taken him back to the Super Bowl for the first time in 18 years. Yeah, Brady threw to his 10th Super Bowl, which is some sort of sort of record. Oh, it's yeah. in, incredible. In fact, uh, one of the stats being thrown around today, he's played in nearly 20% of all Super Bowls. That is just <laughs> absolutely incredible. As we yeah. go into Super Bowl 55 this week, that's, that's amazing. This is what he had to say, Ben, uh, post-match. Is it, you know, it's been a long process for... Uh, you know, the whole team, and uh, today was just a, a great team effort. We played sporadically a little bit, but the defense came up huge, and um, we're going to need it again in a couple weeks. And I know it's a big game coming up. We'll we get to enjoy this for a little bit and then uh, get ready to go against whoever we play. It's going to be a great game. Tom, three consecutive wins on the road. And when we spoke this week, you talk about how difficult this game is. The game to get to the Super Bowl, in particular yeah. on the road. How were you guys tested today at Lambeau? Well, we're, it's a great football team. They've been playing well all season. And, uh, you know, to come beat them at home, there were 9,000 fans. It felt like a little more than 9,000. But uh, just great to get another road win. And now we got a home game. Who would ever thought, you know, a home Super Bowl for us? But we did it. He looks happier, Ben, doesn't he? He looks really happy and content. And and I loved it when he, after the game, he went up and asked to hug his son. I mean, luckiest kid on the planet, by the way, but asked to hug his son. I just thought, geez, this man looks really happy about where he's at. Oh, and there's no doubt. And, and this will, regardless of the result, add to the legacy of Tom Brady. And if they do go on to win it, it'll probably be his best Super Bowl of the seven that he wins. Yeah, the first one would mean a lot. And, you know, they were 28-3 down at the half against the Falcons. There are, um, But this one, going to a new franchise in a different conference with a brand-new team and picking them off the carpet and taking them all the way, with the Super Bowl being in Tampa Bay, mm. it's just an amazing 
achievement. But they do face the Kansas City Chiefs, who, you know, they do have their MVP quarterback from two years ago. They did win the Super Bowl last year, and they did beat the hottest form in the league in the last half of the season in the Buffalo Bills, and they did it quite convincingly. So uh, they do have the task in front of them because I'm sure the Kansas City Chiefs will go into this game as favourites. And who's in the in the best nick as far as the quarterbacks go, do you think? I mean, we know Brady with what he's done in the past is incredible, but Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs, he's uh, pretty formidable as well, isn't he? Oh, this, this guy, I mean, yes, he is. He's, I mean, he's the most exciting player in the NFL. He's got some fantastic weapons around him. Tyreek Hill's got to be the fastest player uh, in the league, if not on the planet. He had another 172 yards. Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the league by far. So he's got his weapons, but he's able to not only throw the ball into tight windows, but he can use his legs. He's quick with the ball. He's quick on his feet. Um, he went through the concussion protocol and an issue with his toe, but it was like that was last year because mm. you wouldn't have known. <laughs> and w- when you look at this matchup, so the NFC, we've seen a lot of vintage veteran quarterbacks coming to the end of their career, like Brady and Rogers and Drew Brees. But in the AFC, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, there's this young and up-and-coming, exciting quarterbacks of the league. So this is a changing of the guard. This is like the goat and the kid. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are going to go at it. And if Patrick Mahomes wants to be known as the best player in the NFL ever, he's probably going to have to beat the best player ever, and that will be Tom Brady. Mm. But Patrick Mahomes is uh, definitely at the top of his game. And these teams actually met not that long ago, just week 12, about seven weeks ago. And Patrick Mahomes, you would almost say, had the perfect game complimented by Tyreek Hill, had 269 yards and three touchdowns. So mm. the Bucks did rally late, but the Chiefs put that beyond doubt at half time. But this is what I love about the Super Bowl, though. We've now got two weeks to digest and process and preview and talk about all the storylines leading into Super Bowl 55 on Feb 8, our time. Now, Ben, if you don't mind, I'm going to steal that headline, The Kid and the Goat. I'm going to steal that. Um, Before we move away from this, there's one other thing I want to play for you. Just nice little stat I just want to throw up both of you. Tom Brady is 43. Patrick Mahomes' dad is 50. That's that's massive difference in ages when these two quarterbacks do battle. Won't matter. This is Off The Bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Bryce McGain, uh, welcome to Sports Day. Jason, great to have uh, to be with you and, and Badge as well. She was yep, a big day of uh, Big Bash cricket yesterday, wasn't it? Oh, and all three games. Yes. How good was it? All three games had a bearing on the, uh, on the finals. Uh, and please just tell me how excited you are that the, uh, the Brisbane Heat are in my team. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is really good. Spare a thought for the Adelaide Strikers, who were sitting uh, in the clubhouse leader. They were sitting in fifth spot, and every result throughout the day, the first one went against them. Uh, obviously, the Heat needed to lose to make it nice and easy and comfortable for them. The Heat won, so they got through to the finals. So the Adelaide Strikers get a bit nervous. Then the then the uh, the Renegades win, and that's yeah. not the result they wanted either. And so it got right down to the last game, of course, with the Sixers and the and the Stars and the Sixers did the job there and really 
franked their form and said, hey, we're the top of the table. Come and get us. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Outstanding stuff. Um, what about the Stars? What, Bryce, uh, 10 years, they haven't won the competition. Is that is that a failure? Well, I guess it's a – yeah, look, they're not the only team to be in that predicament. Oh, I know, um, but I they've had the – had... They're the most hyped team. They have the biggest names and, and That's so right. forth. And, um, look, a lot of the discussion down in Melbourne today on, on the talkback uh, sport radio and all that sort of stuff with SEN has, has certainly been about, well, hang on, why don't they just go and get the best players? But the fact is there's a salary cap, so they're already paying some players pretty well. You can't just bring in everybody to go and get the job done. So there's a balance to it. And the teams like the Sydney Sixers, they really excite me because they find a way to just keep them all together. And, you know, I've said it before, and I'm sure I've said it uh, with you guys as well, the Australian cricket Yoda uh, in Greg Shippard just pulls all this stuff together and makes sure he's got a really deep squad. And that's been strengthened, of course, with Moses Henriques and, and Sean Abbott coming back in for the last few games, and they'll play in the finals as well. But... The Stars, look, it has been underwhelming this year. I, I must admit, it, it, the high expectations, they started like a house on fire. Mm. A few injuries hit, but of course, that just tests your depth. You, you've got to have a big squad to go and win 14, uh, play 14 games and qualify for the finals, and they, they really missed the mark this year. You know what I've loved about the uh, Big Bash this year? Before we get on to the Australian squads, by the way, and, and Badge, you've loved it too. We've spoken to a lot of them. It, all these club cricketers have been given a crack this year because of the lack of internationals that yeah, come through. Yeah, been good. I, I know the broadcaster wasn't, Channel 7 wasn't excited about it, but I've I got to say, I reckon it's been a really good tournament. What do you think, Bryce? I agree with you. Um, you know, one of the best going around is Basley, of course, with the heat. Um, you know, he showed so much, a real power hitter. He's been dominant up in Premier Cricket up in, in Brisbane for some time, and he got his opportunity. Darren Lehman loves doing that as well. Like, he lav- loves finding and unearthing a, a, a local talent, I suppose, and he looks for one every year, and um, he's found another gem in there, and uh, and that's going to strengthen their side in the future. But, uh, you know, he's a here and now as well. Good bowler and uh, and also a terrific batter. So I love seeing those next up-and-comers coming through. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Now, we can't wait. Five uh, teams final format, and it starts on Friday, uh, which is really interesting in itself. But there's also this 2020 tour of New Zealand and, and the test tour to South Africa. But we've got to talk to you about the, the, T, the T20 squad while we're talking Big Bash. Any sure. big surprises for you, I see uh, the likes of Tanvir Sanger is probably the, uh, well, he's the youngster. Was it was it a shock that he made it? Well, when you get endorsed by Ricky Ponting, there's a fair chance you're going to get picked, isn't there? <laughs> but yeah. he's, look, he's been terrific. Let's be honest. He's spinning the ball both ways, big as anyone in the whole competition. And uh, he's been an absolute revelation for a young kid at, at 19, 20 years of age. I think he's still 19, actually. He played under 19 last year. Um, he's just got so much calmness about the way he does it. I can't imagine bowling leg spin when I was 19. I was, uh, the knees were shaking, the, the, the palms were sweaty. <laughs> he, just, he just looks cool as a cucumber and right on top of his game. And he deserves that opportunity. And he looks the best equipped of the, um, the younger spinners that we've given an opportunity to over the years. I think he looks the best equipped because he knows what he's doing strategically. He's pulling the right strings and he looks so calm as well. So I think that's good. One of the unusual ones, and I suppose one of the, the changes is coming uh, with Matthew Wade, he's come out of the test squad yeah. and into the T20 squad. Now, I reckon that actually suits him a bit better 
with a World Cup T20 coming up later in the year in November. That'll be in India. So I think that actually suits him. I thought his test career is probably at the end. And when they tried to shuffle him up to opening the batting and he did it because it's the right thing to do, you just go and play for Australia. Of course you do. But it just wasn't to his strength. Then they popped him down at five. He missed out. He was on... He was probably on his last legs there anyway. So this gives him another lease of life in an Australian team and probably send him to a World Cup later in the year if his form is up. Mm. Was there ever any doubt about Aaron Finch leading the T20 squad? Because he has been struggling. He's had a pretty ordinary big bash. Yeah, he has. And, uh, you know, we don't like to see our skippers battling along, although some people like to, you know, put the boots in when they're, when yeah. they're down. Look, sure. he's struggled a bit. And I think with the young renegades, team, I, I think he's felt the pressure of it's up to him and, and Sean Marsh. that They're the opening bats, and then it's a bunch of kids, and then they've got some kids bowling as well. So they really don't have the experience, and I think he really felt the, the pressure of that. In the Australian lineup. of course, it's really different. He can just trust the rest of the group. They, they, the Australian lineup will bat down to eight or nine. You know, they'll have the likes of Daniel Sams. He's the one banging them around for the Thunder. Um, unfortunately, he'll miss the finals this year. But guys like that, they've got this batting depth that goes all the way down. So it's not just reliant on it on um, Aaron Finch. So I think he'll thrive in the Australian environment. And, of course, he's such a good captain. You don't underestimate the strings that he can pull. And he just he reads the game so very, very well strategically. So he's a gun and deserves to be the captain continuing into that World Cup later this year. Now, quickly before we go, uh, Bryce, um, the test squad to go to South Africa, uh, there was no questions uh, regarding Tim Payne being the leader of the team, which is great. Everyone can stop having their two bobs worth and putting the boot in, as you say. Uh, our mates, yeah. mine and Badger's mate, Mark Steckity, gets a run. We predicted that on Monday night when we spoke to him. We said, mate, you, you've been talked about at that level. We didn't know. We just made it up. Uh, any surprises? <laughs> <laughs> any any surprises in that team, mate? That squad? Hey, no surprises for those that are astute. And I'm lucky enough to to call the Big Bash uh, for Cricket Australia as, as all the games go on. I've seen Mark Steffi playing three games earlier this year. He he's deserves good. that opportunity. He's been doing that stuff for a few years too, mind you, and he's taking his game to the next level. Michael Neeser is another one that has gone, and I've always thought, gee, he's a really good first-class cricketer. Gee, he's a good all-rounder. Now, after the beginning of this year, the three games the, the Queensland Bulls played, Michael Nisa and Mark Steckity, they are international ready. They are absolutely at the peak of their game, and they would challenge uh, any opposition, let alone South Africa, should they get a chance. I hope that Steckity does. He, he really hits the wicket hard, and um, he would be perfect in the, in the conditions there, certainly in, in Johannesburg. And, uh, and and Durban as well. So, look, there's some good opportunities for them. They're in part of a 19-man squad, and, of course, you've got to take a whole truckload of guys over there because you can't fly them in too easily, and there's quarantine and all sorts of stuff they need to carry on with, of course, because things are a bit pear-shaped in South Africa, so they're oh. going to be in a bubble. But isn't it great to, to see, um, you know, some, some really good hardcore talent that's been doing it for a long time, like Mark Stickety. I'm I'm really wrapped for the young man. Matt Wade might be excited that he's actually going to New Zealand and not South mm. Africa with all the dramas <laughs> over there. Yeah, blame him. yeah, he probably is. He probably is. And look, let, let's be honest, it suits his game. He just likes banging. Yeah. And we saw that the other night at the top of the order for the Hobart Hurricanes who, who missed out. How did they miss out, by the way, from the, the way they started oh. in the season? I, I can't believe oh. it. They, the wheels just fell the off and the axles oh. broke and they, just, <laughs> they, they fell in a heap. <laughs> 
They really yeah, they mucked up my they mucked up my multi yesterday too. I'm not talking to them any ever again. Oh, that even hurts worse. That hurts worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bryce McGowan, we've got to let you go, mate. We've got to get to a break. We appreciate you joining us again on Sports Day, and I can't wait for both tours, the New Zealand tour and also the South African tour, and of course the finals in the Big Bash. Bryce McGain, thanks for your time, mate. Good on you, boys. Have a ripper evening. This is off the bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Yeah, Jason Matthews here for your weekend. Of course, Badge and I uh, during the week caught up with Katie Brown to talk about a lot of things happening in the sporting world. Better than home. Um, hey, listen, we've been talking about a lot of subjects this week. And we catch up with you every Thursday night, um, talk about the big topics of the week and what's happening in Katie's world. And, and Katie, we've been talking about all three grades. Uh, you've got a twist on this you'd in, like to see. The then. NRL. To- uh, yeah. The- they're talking about bringing back, trying to bring back all three grades uh, on a day. Uh, the 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on, a, on a day at the footy, yes. And Katie, you've got a twist on this. Yeah, I think women need to be included, gents. I think um, Queensland and New South Wales both have the, Queensland has the Holston Cup, New South Wales have the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. And I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to start broadcasting some of the best women's players because the NRL girls play in those competitions uh and there's always talk about oh great for the under 21s great for the reggies what about the chicks come on so where would you like to see them on the schedule before the main game or get rid of the under 21s or or queensland cup or canterbury cup where would you like to see the the women placed in there so i reckon uh, if you can't have all four grades then you get rid of the under 21s because anyone decent in under 21s would get in Reggie's um, will cup and also they're under 21s like it's okay they can miss out once in a while but I think it's I'm happy for it to be women's cup NRL it doesn't need to be cup women NRL I think it'd be unreal for the women to get broadcast and the only it'll grow it will give you commercial revenue eventually I promise you mm-hmm. but part of the attraction for this back in the day that people reminisce about was watching those players come through the grades third grade or 21, up to reserve grade and then into first grade and sort of following their progression and getting to know them. You could almost, could you imagine a day where you have standalone women's competition, Katie, and they have their couple of grades or, or one, you know, the reserve grade beforehand as well? Uh, yeah, but that's like, that's probably 100 years off. <laughs> at least 50. See, she, like, she loves making us feel like we're going. 100 years. I, I love it, right? <laughs> Everybody's going, oh, yeah, the glory days in the 80s and 90s. Guys, we're living in 2021. It doesn't have to be the same. And if you take it back to all three grades like it used to be, that doesn't actually necessarily mean it'll be just like the glory days. Like, True. Spice it up. Get Gary, she's having a direct swipe at you, mate, because you played in that era. And mm, that's what I'm hearing. I think hearing. she was. That's what, I think I'm, that's hearing what I'm hearing. Uh, you know, Gary, no. uh, Gary uh, 218 points one season as well. We brought this up last night. Hey, listen, let's move. I think, I think it's a great idea, by the way. What? I think she just, I think she just fell over. Yeah. Oh, it's, inc- it's a record. <laughs> or maybe she yawned. Yeah, I she don't, don't know what it is. No, <laughs> I thought it was so impressive. Yeah, no, it's very, very impressive. Um, listen, let's, let's move for Robbie Lee. Great idea. And certainly I think uh, Peter Valandi should be listening to that idea, Katie Brown. Tennis players, what's this radical idea you have for all of the professional tennis players here for the Oz Open? Oh, I'm saying Australian world tennis players. Stay in our country. Best 
and safest country at the moment with COVID-19. Let's play the ATP. Let's play the WTA. Let's play the Grand Slams in Australia for the rest of the season. So who, Why not? which city should host Wimbledon? Oh, I'd have to be Melbourne. Well, you Cold. can have a bit of fun with this. It, definitely Melbourne. Maybe the Grand Slams Melbourne and maybe you could share it around with like, because Perth have great facilities with um, the Brisbane International. Like they have great facilities mm-hmm. in Queensland. You could have something in Sydney. But we also suggested that potentially you could play these games, so i.e. Wimbledon, at their prime time for for them. Okay, oh, yeah, gotcha. Right? So, so like at three in the morning. Yeah, and and tennis players are used to living like that anyway. They're forever in different time zones. So I think they would be grateful to have the lifestyle because we heard Serena Williams talk about how incredible it is to have a normal-ish life now. Yeah. Why would you leave? Mm. Well, actually, here is Serena saying that this morning. Uh, she said this to Stephen Colbert on his show uh, last night. It's super, super strict, but it's really good. So Australia right now has, the last I heard, they had zero cases of COVID. So that wow. is unbelievable, right? Can you yes. the whole country? So that is really amazing. So when we come here in Australia, everyone has to quarantine in a room for 14 days. And it's insane and it's super intense, but it's super good because after that, you can have a new normal like what we were used to last year this time in the wow. United States. Um, so they, they're doing it right. Yeah, we are. And listen, I've got a venue suggestion. Just let me throw this up the flagpole for the French Open because we need something that looks clayish. Clay. Yep. Airs Rock, Uluru. <laughs> oh, ant bed. Ant bed <laughs> tennis courts out there. Unbelievable. So much like the clay. Absolutely. That's outstanding. I love that idea, Ted. <laughs> so you go, Katie. This idea's got merit. Should we take this to the WTA? Yes. I, I said today we need to talk to Craig Tiley. We need to get this on the road so that he can then take it to the big dogs and uh, organise these Grand Slams. Right, yeah. Okay. Last thing we want to talk to you before we let you go, and this is probably the biggest subject on the agenda today, and it's something very close to my heart. You want to see something. We've been talking about products. We talked about last night, what rules would you like to bring back in the NRL? And tonight we've been talking about what products would you like to bring back that aren't around anymore? Of course, you're too young for that, Katie, because nothing's left yet in your lifetime. (laughs) But there is something you want to come back to footy matches. Full strength beer. Full stop. Really? (laughs) Yes. You you are very young. Do you remember why? Do you remember why they got rid of it? Oh, many instances. Too silly. You know, well, one of the first things I remember at uh, at Lang Park actually, they went. They used to have cans, uh, and then. I was playing in an origin game in about 80, 1989. Wally Lewis got put in the sin bin for 10 minutes in the northeastern corner, and the crowd just disgusted. They were throwing cans on the on the oval at the Blues players. Chicka Ferguson, my teammate at Canberra, playing on the wing for New South Wales. He was step dodging and weaving. No one got him, but um, Blocker Roach reckons he picked one up and he said these Queenslanders are knuckleheads. This one's half full, so he drank some of it. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was that was when they got rid of – cans and made, made them plastic and then they went, it's still not enough. We can't keep serving full strength beer. There you go. Maybe we just don't do it in Queensland, maybe in New South Wales, because New South Welshmen and, and women are much more responsible. Yes. Are yes. we, Katie? Oh, they're a bit more boring. I like Queensland. People like that. People, yeah. <laughs> Good on you, Katie. She was probably throwing those cans. Blokes at the, <laughs> those blokes at the SCG. Well, imagine if they were on full strength. <laughs> yeah. All right.
Yeah, okay. Could no, have gone pear-shaped. Even Katie, more. I think that's another one we're going to throw up the flagpole. That one's not quite working yet, all right? But uh, anyway, thank okay. you. We appreciate your time on Sports Day. Enjoy your weekends. I will. Thanks, gents. Have a great weekend as well. Have fun on holidays, Badge. Thank you. All right, that's it for another Off the Bench. Badge on holidays. Scotty Sattler back for Sports Day with me Monday night. Catch you then.